Revival, awakening, and gathering. That's what is in front of us. The Bible tells us, God said in 2 Chronicles 7, 13, when Solomon dedicated that grand temple there in Jerusalem, and God spoke to him and he gave him a word and he said, if I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people. We can see quite similar things in where we are today, but God gives something else to that. He said, if... He said, if I shut up heaven, if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, then he said, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. There was no if on that. There was no contingency on that. God did not say if I pray or if I, if I hear or if I forgive or if I heal. He just simply said if they will pray, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. So this is why Satan is working to distract, to divide and to discourage. Satan is working against the church. He's using these tools to distract, to divide, to discourage, to do anything to throw you off. He will do anything to throw you off. Pesky temptations, like gnats and flies and mosquitoes, those kind of little pesky things. Some of y'all, he knows he's not going to get you with big stuff, he knows he's not going to do that, but if he can just pester you to a place of distraction, he's been successful. Pesky temptations, ankle nibbling little demons. Those little demons that want to nibble on your ankles and drive you nuts and drive you crazy and hell's trying to attack your weak spots. Thank you, Brother Eddie, for sharing what you shared while ago. Man, we must not be ignorant of Satan's devices. And let me tell you where we are, and I'm feeling this in the Holy Ghost, and I feel prophetic as I speak to you right now. You're hearing voices. Your, your own mind is telling you to look at the world, look at the problems, look at circumstances. For, for six months now, over six months, going on seven, actually seven months now, almost seven months, We've been bombarded, bombarded with one negative thing after another. And if you're not distracted by now, then you're, you're, you're better than I am. We've been, we've been bombarded. Look at the world. Look at the problems. Look at circumstances. But here's what I come to tell you tonight. It's not the world that we're here to change. It's ourselves that we're here to change. It's not the world that I need to focus on changing. It's me that I need to focus on changing. Circumstances, and we're all, we all have circumstances that we'd like to not be in. Circumstances, however, they don't develop your character. Circumstances reveal your character. And what has been revealed, are y'all with me? I don't see everybody with me, and I, I might call your name out tonight because I do have a word from the Lord. What's been revealed What's been revealed is this, and if I, if I ring your bell, just, just go amen when I say what I'm about to say. 
We liked life the way it was. We liked life the way it was, even if it wasn't how he would have had us living. We were pretty sufficient pre-March 2020. We were pretty sufficient, but we were also smug about it. And we have seen how weak and vulnerable we really can be. But I got news for you right now. It's when we're at our weakest that we can be our strongest. It's when we learn to depend on the unfailing grace of God that we're stronger than we've ever been. Paul learned that and Paul shared that with us in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I don't know what Paul's thorn in the flesh was. I don't know. Some people have speculated various things. Let's don't even try to do that tonight. Let's don't get all too in the weeds on it. Let's just take what he said. He said, I had this that bothered me and I prayed and I asked God to take it away from me. There's been things that some of us have asked God, God, would you take that out of my life? And he said, it didn't happen. Paul said, I had some revelation from God, unless I should be exalted, 2 Corinthians 12, 7, unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. And for this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, I asked the Lord, let it, let it, Lord, make this, leave me alone. And God said, my grace is sufficient for thee. God said, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul said, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecution, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. When you get to the point that you say, if I, if I don't have the Lord, I am not going to make it, then you've got exactly what you need. When you get to that point, when your sufficiency is not in and of yourself, but you realize that what I have is only because of the goodness of God, and when you rely on the grace of the Lord, you are at your strongest point. And here's what's going on. There's a tightening of the circle. I shared the story with you one time. I'm going to share it one more time because these Brahma cows that were on that, in that field of Brother Adcock outside of Shelbyville, I don't know why, Brother Adcock, he just had a whim. He wanted to have a herd of Brahmas, and so he got them, and he had this massive bull. You know, the Brahma bulls is the kind that the bull riders ride. They've got the big hump on their back, and they're just, they're wild, you know. And, and so he had this bull. I shared just a little bit about it. This happened 30-something years ago, and I shared a little bit of it with you before. He had this bull. He, had to, he took him down to the vet downtown Shebbyville and the bull got loose and ran the streets of Shebbyville. It's kind of funny. Brother Adcott was that kind of person. But he had, he had this herd of Brahma cows and his son-in-law wanted to take me to see how cute the calves were. And so we'd go into the field and go to looking toward the calves and 
And so I'm used to, I grew up down here in West Tennessee, and Uncle Frank had, he didn't have mean cows. I think he had those red ones and those Angus ones. And you could go out and you could pet the calves and go watch the heifers uh, lick corn out of their nose. Y'all ever watch them do that? And just do stuff like that. And, and they seem kind of gentle and tame. Well, we go out there and I'm going to look at these little Brahma calves. And then all of a sudden, the herd begins to form a circle. And they form a circle around the calves, and we can't get to the calves. And then all of a sudden, it's as if on cue, every head in that circle turned in one direction, and it was toward us. I still don't know what's going on, but Keith grabbed me by the arm. He said, we better get out of here. And we barely made it to clear the fence, and here comes the herd after us. It was cool, man. Because <laughs> I lived to tell about it. I didn't get trampled. Mama could have lost me several times. Dwayne, Dwayne probably could have been lost a lot more several times than me. But, but uh, several times, Mama could have lost this one. And that was one of those times that I made it out of that field alive. But, but it's, it's there. It, it's in my mind about how they circled. There's something about just drawing in tighter. Y'all with me? And that strength that is there through drawing in tighter and and and. We're, we're getting in here a little bit closer together. And that's what's happening. That's where we are right now. That's what's going on at this last quarter of this year. We're drawing tighter to each other. We're drawing tighter with each other and with him. Y'all see what I'm talking about? So this is where we are. And now we've come to this point that we realize we're tightening up here. We're tightening up. We're drawing this circle, tightening, tightening this thing up. We're not playing around anymore. I'm talking to the Wednesday night crowd that doesn't play church. I'm talking to people that are serious about their discipleship. And prayer is what our spiritual warfare is all about. We look at this passage of Scripture, and it's, right there on the front of your little card, but it's, and it's our key verse for this whole time, Ephesians 6, 18, when Paul said, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. But look at the context of it. The context of it in Ephesians chapter six, Paul is talking about spiritual warfare. We looked at these scriptures here recently, so I'm not going to break every one of them down, but I am going to break one of them down. Ephesians 6.10, he said, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Don't be strong in yourself. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Everybody say, I got that. Poke your neighbor and say, are you still depending on yourself? Because some of you haven't got it yet. He said, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Look at this. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Look at the word, the active word. There was we wrestle not against flesh and blood. What we do wrestle against 
is principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. So we're involved in a fight spiritually. But look at the word he used. He did not say, are y'all with me over here? He did not say we battle against. He said we wrestle against, or some of y'all say we wrestle. So we wrestle against. You know what wrestle is? Well, first of all, here's what it's not. We're not in our church fort shooting at him with a cannon. We're not here throwing Holy Ghost grenades. We're not hunkered down shooting long-range artillery. Wrestle indicates we're engaged with the enemy on a deeply personal level. Paul didn't use the phrase battle or battle, but he used the phrase wrestle, which suggests close contact and strenuous warfare. And a lot of us think that we're going to win. Y'all got to hear me. A lot of us think we're going to win our spiritual battle by, by just throwing us a, a long range grenade out there at the devil. Picking up uh, uh, the artillery and firing away at him. No, there's something about it. You got to realize I'm engaged in a battle. I'm engaged in a wrestling match. It's it's one on one, and I am going to put on the armor of God, and I'm going to do all within my power to fight against the works of darkness. Wherefore, verse 13, take up the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand an evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins skirt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Then he said, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And from me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. For the which cause, or for which I am, pardon me, an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. If you write notes, jot this down. If you don't want to jot it down, you can go on and get the notes online after service is over. But notice this, without prayer, the armor's not complete. Without prayer, the armor is of no use. Prayer is how we engage. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I said you got to get out of your PJs and into your armor. So we've gotten out of our PJs and we've gotten into our armor, but now that we're dressed, it's time to engage. How many of you get up in the morning when you have a day off, you get up in the morning, you take a shower, comb your hair, fix it, put your good black suit on, and then go sit on the couch? I don't. Matter of fact, tomorrow morning what I'll do is I'll get up. My hair looks halfway decent. I'll just go with it. If not, I'll wet it a little bit and move it around a little bit. I'll put on a clean T-shirt, 
My wife likes it when I wear clean T-shirts. I'll put on a clean T-shirt. I'll put on a pair of athletic pants or something, my tennis shoes, and that's how I'm going to dress tomorrow. I already got it figured out. But here's what we don't do. We don't get dressed to go out and then sit on the couch. We don't do that. And the only reason I'm being ridiculous with you is to remind you that we don't get dressed for war and stay on the pew. We do not get dressed for this battle and just stay on the pew. This is not where we fight our battles. This is where we come in for strategy sessions and to get revived and to pray one for another and to hear from the word of God. But you've got to engage yourself in battle and it's time to realize I've got out of my PJs and into my armor, but I didn't put my armor on to sit on the pew. I put my armor on to get into the fight and I'm ready for the fight. I'm ready. And the way we fight and it's connected right here, is through prayer. Praying always. General prayers and specific petitions in the Spirit are to be made always and for all saints and for all occasions. And when you look at what Paul said, we're, let's pray. This is our prayer. He said, you, you do your prayer let me go back to verse 18. With perseverance and supplication, you're watching your prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Perseverance and patience in prayer are essential. Jesus taught us this concept, and I want this, I'm going to give this to you. I'm going to start tying this together. But in Luke chapter 18, Jesus spoke a parable, and he gave this little illustration. He spoke a parable unto them to this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Saying, there was in a city a judge which feared not God nor regarded man. And there was a widow in that city and she came unto him saying, avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, though I fear not God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me I will avenge her lest by her continual coming she weary me and the Lord said hear what the unjust judge said and shall not God avenge his own elect which cried day and night unto him though he bear long with them I tell you that he will avenge them speedily nevertheless when the son of man cometh shall he find faith in the earth you know what he wants to find when he comes he wants to find that one that has said I am going to pray and not faint I am going to continue to pray. When he said pray and not faint, he's just simply telling us Jesus is saying don't lose heart. Or he's saying don't give up on prayer. Don't give up on praying. Brother David, I've been praying the same thing for 40 years. Don't give up on praying. I've been praying this. Don't give up on praying. And he says watch, stay awake. Now I want you to notice this. In Matthew chapter 26, there's another time of prayer. In Matthew chapter 26 and verse 40, he's, he's in the last hours of his life. He's there in the garden. He's been praying. He wanted his disciples to pray with him. And they went to sleep. I want you to notice something. Matthew 26 and 40, he cometh unto his disciples and he findeth them asleep. And he said unto Peter, what? Could you not watch with me 
one hour. Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. And then notice what he said. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Watch. Stay awake. Keep in mind this. The flesh, that's human weakness. Flesh is weak. What we need is supernatural empowerment. So let's go into praying in the spirit. Because... The way that we're going to, to accomplish the prayer that we need to be praying is to quit depending on ourselves to get the job done and start relying on the power of the Holy Ghost. In Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. So no matter how good the law was, it could not be accomplished through the weakness of the flesh. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. The flesh is weak. When it comes to prayer, Jesus said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So go on down now in Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Paul said, likewise, the spirit also helpeth our infirmities, our weaknesses, our flesh. The spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So here we are. We're tying this together. We are engaged in spiritual warfare. And we as the church now are entering into this arena of praying one for another. We're praying in the spirit, one for another. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to realize the word of God tells us that by one spirit, we're all baptized into one body. One spirit dwells all of us. One spirit connects all of us. Jared didn't get a different Holy Ghost than I got. We've got the same spirit of God. Bonnie and Vicki and Rhonda and Emily and all of us, we have that same spirit of God that is within us. One spirit connects us as this body of Christ. The church is filled with this spirit. The church is the body of Christ. The church, the ecclesia, is a group of individuals made into one body that is closer even than a biological family. If you think mama could read your mind, the Holy Ghost sure can. And the spirit that indwells each of us is what Paul now, and the word of God is telling us, pray in the spirit for each other. Because I don't know how I need to be praying for Vicky, but the Holy Ghost does. Are y'all with me? You're afraid if, I, if you say anything, I'm just going to keep going and going, I think. We don't know how we ought to pray for each other sometimes, but the Spirit does. 
And what we've been doing around here far too long now is we've been doing a whole lot more talking about our problems that we have in our own lives than we actually have been engaging in spiritual warfare, praying in the Holy Ghost, because the Spirit of God praying and operating through us can accomplish a whole lot more than us sitting around out by the coffee bar talking about it. We need prayer in the Holy Ghost among ourselves. We don't know. You don't even know how to pray for me. I pop up here on Sunday morning, stand in front of you and try to button my coat, try to look my best. This is my goal, my goal. Eventually, I'm going to get around to it one of these days. My goal is to lose that. I want to look as good as Dwayne does. He, I stand up here in front of y'all and I, comb my hair and I shave. I don't shave every day, but I shave on Sundays and Wednesdays. And I stand up here and I look my best and I put my best foot forward and some people are sitting there looking at me and thinking, man, he's got it all together. And, and uh, so you just pray general prayers. Bless him, Lord. Bless him, Lord. Well, the Lord has blessed me and the Lord's blessed all of us. But you don't see the turmoil that I wake up to in my mind some morning when the devil is whispering to me and saying, you know what, you're not adequate. And I'm bearing my soul in front of you right now that the devil will wake you up some mornings and say, you're not adequate. You're not doing things the way you really ought to be doing it. And, and there's all these seeds of doubt that he tries to plant in your mind. You don't know how to pray about me on that term and, or on, in, that, in that way. And I don't stand up here and tell you all of that stuff. But if you're praying for me and the Holy Ghost, you don't even have to put it into words because the Spirit of God knows exactly what needs to be prayed. This is where we've got to get to. It's that supplication in the spirit for the saints. This is our spiritual warfare. Quit looking at each other and giving a general blessing, Lord. But when you're in your prayer closet or kneeled at your chair in your dining room and when you're calling on the name of the Lord and your brother's face comes to your mind or your sister's face comes to your mind or somebody comes to your heart and you don't even know how to pray, let the Holy Ghost begin to pray. Let the Spirit of God begin to move because God knows how to break down walls and God knows how to open doors. God knows how to move on, on situations that you don't even know about. And a lot of times we spend too much time talking to God as if we need to tell him everything and say it all and talk it all out. When we're encouraged to pray in the spirit. Paul said, I thank God for you. He's writing to the Philippian church. You're always in every prayer of mine. I'm thankful for what God started in your life. And I know that what he started, he's able to complete. I know he's going to accomplish it. Paul's writing to the Corinthian church, and Paul tells a story. Because he finds out in hindsight that the Corinthian church had been praying for him and his missionary partner. And Paul writes to him and says, y'all didn't even know how bad it was. You didn't even know how close to the end we were. But y'all were praying in the Holy Ghost. 
The Holy Ghost had you praying for us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8, Paul said, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raised, which raiseth the dead. One of my favorite scriptures is verse 10 where he says, who delivered us. This God that raised the dead, who de he delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver in whom we trust that he will yet deliver. He has delivered, he is delivering, he will yet deliver. But Paul says, ye also helping together by prayer for us that for the gift bestowed on us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. Thank you for praying for us because it was prayer that delivered. There's some people in this room tonight that's going through some things in their homes. There's some people in this room tonight that are going through some things that are discouraging. Going through some things in their family that is disheartening. There's people in this room tonight that you've suffered and struggled with some disillusionment even in your walk with God and in your faith and there's some people in all honesty in this room tonight that are only here because somebody has prayed for you there's some people in this room tonight that may never have met Dorothy Holiday. But if she ever heard your name, you made it to her prayer list. And a lot of you remember Sister Dorothy Holiday in, in church. And you remember her praise and you remember her worship and you remember her exuberant response. And how she would let that out in that exuberant response. A lot of you remember her singing hallelujah, 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 amen. But what you didn't see is the hours of the, the hours on end at home that she prayed. Brother Wayne told me the other day that he thinks it'd be a good idea if Sister Nala learned that song, Hallelujah, and started singing it in honor of Sister Dorothy. And Sister Nala has agreed to doing that. But my challenge, my challenge to you, is somebody reach over and take up that mantle of praying one for another and realizing this is part of our spiritual warfare. This is part of our spiritual battle. God is doing something tremendous, and we're going to go to another place. We're stepping up. And in October and November, I believe that we're moving into a place in prayer. And we're doing this to prepare. We're doing this to prepare because God is getting us to this place of being prepared to take us into another position of some things that we're going to begin experiencing and seeing. And let me just leave this with you, that in prayer, we don't have to do all the talking, but we can simply realize that the Holy Ghost is never wrong. And when we pray in the Spirit, 
we're going to pray the will of God. Would you stand with me right now? I never got to tonight's prayer focus. The time has got away from me. But I'm asking that you read Ephesians chapter 3, and I'll preach from this Sunday morning, Sunday night. In Ephesians chapter 3, that we begin praying one for another to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, to be filled with all the fullness of God. Would you bow your heads with me right now and reach over and put your hand on that shoulder of the person that you're standing there beside and one more time let's lift our voices and let's pray one for another in the name of Jesus Lord we come to you tonight our hearts are thankful we're thankful for our brothers we're thankful